Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. We thank you for your love and your goodness. You are magnificent in every way. Lord, I pray as I share that it will be an impartation that we will receive. We will we'll go out of this place different. And Lord Jesus, all of us vow to give you the glory and we speak as if you are in the room. Because you are. You're in the room. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Wonderful. You feel his presence? You know... Church isn't church unless Jesus is here. Did you know that? You can have church, I mean, call it church, but a biblical church, according to what Jesus said, um, it's not church unless Jesus is in the room. And how do we know Jesus is in the room? The Bible says, where two or more people are gathered in my name, I am there. So if you're in a room, if you're in a house, you're in a bedroom, you're in a um, you know, connect group, you're at a university, a workplace, if two or more people are gathered, Jesus is there, you're having church. Church means called out people of God. The ecclesia was a term that Jesus took out of the, the, the people in the days of um, the, the, the Greek empire. Now they, they would coin this word because these are the ones that made decisions that affected like the politicians and the government, people in government. They were called the, the ecclesia. And so Jesus coined it and said the ecclesia. We know that word as church. It's the Greek word. People that are in government, people that are in leadership. We rule and reign with Christ. And so Jesus is here because we're gathered around his name. Sometimes we, we go to church and, and you know, we've been doing a, a, a teaching or you know, this whole year's vision is Jesus, in case you didn't know. It's about Jesus. And that might sound funny. Like, how can you have a vision about Jesus? Well, it's, it's, I believe it's because God wants this church to be the, the great reset. You know the great reset? People talking in the world, the economy reset, and there's a great reset happening. And there's people, there's a lot of agendas out there that want to bring a reset back and all this stuff. Whether it's you know, true or not, I don't know. But God, God's got his own agenda, and he is bringing a great reset back to Jesus. I believe he wants to bring the church back to his son. And it sounds funny to say that, but that, that we could have strayed or we could wander. And the reality is we've all wandered, in, wandered away from Jesus in our own hearts. Remember the day when you first got saved. Everyone gets saved differently. Everyone gets saved completely different. The same way there's, there's six, was it seven billion people plus, plus in the earth. And let's say there's over a billion people that are true believers or more, I'm sure. Each and every one of those people came to Christ individually different. But we came to Christ. Now, when we, when you, if you truly got born again, somehow, even if it was so slowly, week, maybe months, and he, he just became more and more real to you, but your, your eyes became open to see Jesus. And everything was about Jesus. And when you read the Bible, it was to see Jesus. It was to know Him. When you, when you spend time with Him, it was to pray to Jesus. And, and so everything about the Word, even we read last week that Jesus said this, you know, you, you search the scriptures because in them, the scriptures speak of me, but you don't find me. Moses spoke of me. Jesus was saying this to those people. But if you don't follow Moses' word, neither will you see me or follow me. But the, Jesus basically said, the scriptures speak of me. When he came from his resurrection, he opened up the scriptures and the prophets 
that the, all these scriptures and Old Testament prophets spoke of him. And he's to reveal Jesus, the Messiah. When God the Father spoke from heaven, it was recorded um, uh, three times in the New Testament. Twice he said, one was at the baptism, remember? When Jesus got baptized by John. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, God the Father said. The second time it was recorded that God spoke, it was in the, the, the mountain of transfiguration where Jesus is praying. Peter, James and John were there. The cloud of glory comes and God spoke. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He added a little bit to that one. He said, listen to him. The father's sermon is Jesus. This is my son, my beloved son. Listen to him. There's something about God saying, listen to him. That's it. I've spoken through my son, Jesus. Let him be the emphasis. Let him be your, your, who you behold. We need to behold Jesus in everything we do. I've, you know, we've said in the past that sometimes we, we sing songs and you almost have to ask, uh, who are we singing about? Because sometimes songs are written in the way it's about my journey and how I'm going and I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging myself in the Lord and we, we do this and it's a battle and you know, this is how I fight my battles. It's all about us. But, but when you get a song that worships Jesus, you feel the presence. There's something about sometimes, we, even the songs leave out Jesus sometimes. There's a place for that in some places. But if our whole, all, our song, all our songs are like that, it's like we end up saying, wasn't the worship good? But we should be saying, was, isn't Jesus amazing? Wasn't Jesus good? It wasn't the presence of God beautiful? Even if the worship wasn't to every key and every note and it wasn't performing well in the natural, but the presence of God was there. Our focus is the presence. And that's true of messages. Some of you, oh, that was a good message, brother. Well, what, like, well, I have, you know, it's not just to entertain people, not to make people think, wow, that, I feel good about myself. But did Jesus get revealed in the message? And so when you read the Bible, you, you start to see everything is about our Creator, our God, our Lord, our Savior, Him who became flesh, dwelt among us. And so everything we read, I want us to. I, 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 I believe God wants to bring an impartation so that you would see. Every time you open up the Scriptures, you, every time you read the Bible, you see what we're talking about. You see it for yourself. You get the revelation. Paul the Apostle was a master builder. He said that of himself, of building the church. He, he knew what he was doing. He's an apostolic man. He's, he's called by God and he gave his life. Right, 14 of, the, 14 of these letters of the New Testament. And, and when he prays for the saints to come into revelation, he doesn't say, oh God, give them, give them prosperity. God, let them be successful. Let the world fear them. Let, the, let them become famous or let them be you know, successful and materially blessed. And He doesn't say nothing like that. His whole prayer in Ephesians, he goes, Lord, I pray. And I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Jesus. It's to know Jesus. That's his whole prayer. Open up the eyes to the hope of their calling. What calling? The calling that Jesus called us into. Open up the eyes to the riches of the glory of our inheritance in the saints. We've been given an inheritance by God. So every time you read the Word and you're in the Scriptures, you don't just read it for the sake of reading it. Like We've all fallen away in this area. We've all, in, in time past, I have. I, like, I've, been, I've wandered in my faith. And, and when I read the Bible, I've got to read the Bible because I'm a Christian. It's my duty. I can't read my Bible. It's what, and I have to do it because it's a duty. So you, you read a chapter or two and you don't get anything out of it. You, you sort of just read it with your head and you're not even engaging in your heart. The reason why I read the Word is to engage with Jesus and I want to see Him and I want Jesus to speak to me. 
So I say, Lord, how does this affect me? What's it saying to me, Lord? Now I'm connecting with him. I want to see him. So, and if it says, you know, the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, or, or the deceitfulness of other things crept in and choked the word. The deceitfulness of other things. I mean, sorry, the deceitfulness of riches, but the lust of other things. Okay, what areas in my life am I allowing to distract me in the desires of other things? Sometimes they're good things. Sometimes they're okay things. But what are those things that are taking up my time, my heart, my energy, where I'm no longer seeing you? So what am I doing? I'm not reading, just reading the Word. I'm fellowshipping and talking with Jesus. It's connecting with Him. There's a reason. I want to see Him. I want to behold Him. Everywhere I read in the Word of God, and, and I've been doing my own personal study and just looking up, okay, anywhere Jesus comes, I see what He does for us and what He's done in us and what has He given us. And, and when it comes to the word Christ, and okay, what is Christ? Every single one. And you start to see how it's all about Him. Everything. So we can pursue things for certain, we can pursue things for, sing, for things' sake. I can pursue something because I want to be successful. I can pursue something because I want to be anointed. I want to pay a price to be successful. So, so you can do this in this business world. You can do this in your work situation. You, well, I want to be successful. Who doesn't? Everyone wants to. God created us to want to be winners. We want to be you know, successful in life. So you might pay a price and discipline yourself and even say, I've got to be holy so I can be anointed before, so I can heal the sick. So I can set captives free. So I can be anointed and see miracles. So our eyes are on miracles and power and gifts. And we get our eyes off Jesus. It can happen. It happens to the best of us. It's like, have you heard the saying which says, be careful after a great victory. Um, you, you put your guard down and it's the most vulnerable time after a great victory. You've heard that saying. Or a great success. So you've, 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 you focus on something. You pay a price. You're disciplined. You're disciplined. You work, work, and you do a massive conference or you do a massive something, business adventure. And you're doing something great. And then you succeeded. And the next day it's like, ah, you let the guard down. And why are we most vulnerable there to temptation? It could be in the bigger picture of things. You're, you're, you're driven to grow a church. You're driven to grow a ministry. You're driven for something. And then in your eyes, whatever you think is successful... If your eyes and your understanding of what your goal is, uh, I'm successful when I make millions of dollars and I am well off and I've got lots of money, and then, then you just, ah, I rest. Because you're driven to get there. Once you're there, you can become, um, what's the word, let my guard down. Because that, that's what's what motivated you. And same in the ministry, if you're driven to think, well, I, when, I've get, when the church is 10,000 people and we planted 100 churches and I've, and I've now and I've seen signs and wonders and miracles, well, now I'm successful. And then you actually let your guard down. So why are you doing it? If you're doing it to, for Jesus and you're doing it to, to love Him, to please Him and to obey Him, when your focus is, Lord, I'm, I'm doing this for you, whether you're succeeding or failing, you're still doing it for Him. Even in the natural, if things are not working out and there's no fruit and you're getting persecuted, you get thrown in jail, you can actually still, I'm doing this for you. You get thrown in jail, Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He still stays focused. He knows his head's going to be beheaded. He knows uh, uh, my life, I've, I've, fought my f I've fought the fight, I've run my race, and now my life is going to be given as a drink offering. He's talking about him dying. And he, in that same book, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. What's, why is he doing what he's doing? To please his Lord. So that saying, the reason why it's there is because we're so driven with, for success. When we're driven to please him. You will please God even when you've just had, had the greatest victory. The next day, you're, you're not, you're, your guards aren't down. You're not going, ah, oh, I've done all that. 
No, you still, look, I'm doing this for you. Please hear the heart of what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to help us understand everything we do needs to be done out of love for Jesus. Even paying a price, even fasting. Some people say, why are you fasting for so long? Why are you fasting? For power and for miracles and all that? Well, I want to get close to Jesus. That's it. I'm putting my flesh down. I don't want to feed my flesh. I want to, I want to make my flesh, you know, subject my flesh and not feed it so I can feed my spirit. Why? Because I want to draw close to Jesus. When I get to see Jesus and know Him, all that stuff happens. But I'm not pursuing it for miracles. Does that make sense? Because if you're, if you're trying to be holy and pure and disciplined and not, not live in sin because you want success, when the success comes, the motivation's gone. Does that make sense? That's why great men and women fall. Because they get their eyes off the Lord. And sometimes it's... it's I, I, I can't imagine... You can teach and preach and, 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 and wow people with the truth. But if you don't encounter Him, that person that's wowing people with the truth, and it's so awesome stuff. This is amazing. I love your brain. I love thinkers. And then that, if they, that person does not encounter Jesus personally in his own walk and every day regularly, actually, I'm talking about encountering His presence. Because you can't encounter His presence and keep sinning. Just can't do it. So, so Jesus, this is all over the Bible. I just want to start to bring you on a journey. Um, we didn't read the scripture, did we? Chapter, John chapter 12. Let's, let's use this as a launching pad because I love the heart of Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 32. Now my soul has become trouble. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He's talking about him dying on the cross. He says, now my, now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. For this purpose I came. You know what Hebrews says? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I don't know if we understand the revelation when we sing the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that John. And then when we sing songs like the Lamb who's on the throne and worthy is the Lamb. And when John saw Jesus in heaven, it says, Then I saw what looked like a Lamb that had been slain. What's he saying? All eternity, we're never going to forget that Jesus, the Son of Man, is going to stand there. And it's like, it looked like he's been slain. In other words, we're never going to forget what he did for us. We're never going to forget what this God-man, this God-son, this Son of God, this, this Son of Man, fully man, fully God, what he did in our behalf. The Lamb of God. We're going to be worshipping the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb. Why Lamb? Because he's the innocent one that was sacrificed on our behalf. And his attitude is, for the joy that was set before him, you were set before him. The only person of you when he hung on that cross. He was thinking of me. And if I was the only person left on the planet, he would have been thinking of me. If you were the only person left on the planet, he would have been thinking of you and he would have died for you. That's how personal it's got to be. Father, he says, glorify your name. Listen to this. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it. I will glorify it again. I don't know if that's, that's not, that's not trying, trying to make it sound. What would God's voice sound like? But what, what gets me is, so the crowd, the crowd of people who stood by, when God spoke, the crowd of people who stood by, it was say, um, stood by, heard it, were saying that it had funded. All different levels of discernment here. All different levels of people, what they heard. Some people thought were so distant from God, they thought, what, was that a thunder? Did you mumble? They didn't hear God speak, even though God spoke. 
They thought, surely it's thundered. What was that noise? They didn't intelligibly discern audible words. They heard thunder. That's what it says. Because their mind wasn't prepared in any way possible to hear God speak from heaven. And then some, look what it says here, but others were saying an angel has spoken to him. So some heard audible and they said, oh, it must have been an angel. What was that? And Jesus answered and said, check this out. This voice has not come for my sake. Now, when you're the son of the Father, you're the son of God, you don't even need to hear the voice of God. Audible voice of God. He's so secure in who he is. This voice did not come for me. I don't know how it does for you. I love that. This voice didn't come for me. He goes, but for your sake. God spoke for your sake, not my sake. Now judgment is upon this world. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the rule of this world has been cast out. Look at the way Jesus sees the cross. He goes, now that I'm, I'm about to sacrifice my body as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now judgment has come on this earth. And the, and the ruler of this world will be cast out. Who's the ruler? Satan. Every accusation, any condemnation, any accusation he had against you, he's going to be cast out when I die on the cross, Jesus is saying. It's done with. You're going to be given the gift of right standing with God. You're going to be restored. The dead, because we're spiritually dead, will come alive. He, he, he didn't just, res he resurrected and defeated sin and death and hell forever. But he also resurrected our dead spirit and we came alive to God. He just weren't forgiven and, and stay in the same nature. He'd been given, he gave you and I a brand new nature. New creation of God. Beautiful. Good news, isn't it? And, and then he actually says, and if I, this is what I wanted to read this whole thing up. If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Jesus is referring to the cross. It even says, but he was saying this to indicate the kind of death which he was to die. If I be lifted up, if I get lifted up and nailed to the tree, nailed to the cross, I will draw all men to myself with the message of what I did for them. Everyone can come. But the point is we need to lift him up too. It's when we proclaim the name of Jesus, when we, when we proclaim the gospel, we, we preach the message, the gospel of the kingdom. When people hear what he's done, he'll draw all men to himself. That's why the, the voice of the church needs to be Jesus. The message on our lips is Jesus. The message is the gospel of the kingdom. You can't preach a message. You can't even preach the church. Come to church. We invite you to church. It's an amazing place. You'll meet a lot of people, a lot of friendly people. It's so loving. Oh, wow, you should come. They come and they love it. They might even join, but they meet Jesus. You come out the front. I've, I've been to big crusades in the past, even in our city years ago, and many, many years ago, and Sydney Entertainment Center. Preaching, the, uh, preaching to come out the front. It's, uh, I, I purposely said, not the gospel, to come out the front. God will change your life. God's going to give you a blessing and he's going to bless you and you'll have a better life and it's going to be so good for you and God wants got a plan for you. God's got a plan and a purpose. Come out the front. Change your life. Change your life for God and you hardly hear the gospel. I don't even know. Some of these people that are responding don't even know why they're responding or are they accepting Jesus? Do they know what Jesus did for them? Are they repenting? All this sort of stuff. And so you come out and what we save them into it's really, really important. Because if you get saved into the emotion, the feeling of the altar call, what happens when that's not there? It's got to be established in Jesus. It's got to be you got to preach the gospel. Does it make sense? I'm just trying to help us see sometimes we stray in some areas. 
But the church, the good news is this, the church is having a great reset right across the world. And little by little, more and more, we're growing into maturity, all of us around the world. I believe that with all my heart. God is doing a great move. Getting us focused back on His Son. The songs that are written, the preachers, the pastors, everyone. You hear it on the Holy Spirit's heart. So He's revealing Jesus. Because that's what the Bible says. The whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus. And so when Jesus spoke, He said, Come to me. What happened there? (laughs) Come to me. When Jesus spoke, (laughs) Come to me. All you who labor and are heavenly laden, I will give you rest. Come to who? Come to me, Jesus said. We're supposed to come to Jesus as a person. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, but he's a person. We go to him. Come to me, he says. What about this one? He goes, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. He referred to himself as the bread of life. Who came down from heaven. Bread speaks of something that you eat to sustain you. You want to be sustained? Only Jesus can sustain you. Only Jesus can give you the strength, the minerals, the vitamins, the, 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 the bread of life to really sustain you. And you'll never hunger again. Because if you don't get Jesus to sustain you, you'll always eat out in the world. You'll always look for junk food. That doesn't satisfy you though. The world of this, the pleasure of this world is very, very pleasurable for a short period of time, but there's always a bait behind it. A little fish swimming in the ocean. Oh, look at that prawn. Yum, 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 yum. There's a hook behind it. Someone's fishing up there. That's what fish, that's what sin looks like. It looks good to the eye. Wow, this is amazing. There's always a deadly hook behind it. Always. So we need to, we we say, die to the flesh and take up your cross. It's true, but guess what? When you die to something, you raise to life. The glory and the presence and the joy of God is way better. than It doesn't even compare to the sin. When you, when you get eyes on Jesus, you start to, look, I, I don't want to sin because I'm grieving you. I'm grieving my relationship with you. You're so beautiful, so loving, so gracious. Why would I hurt our relationship? Why would I hinder our relationship by choosing to sin? So when you're in love with him, you, you actually get your eyes off sin. Because you're in love with him. And remember, you go to him through grace. You go to him because he's invited you. He wants you to come. It's not like, okay, if I stop sinning, then I can come to him. You, you're trying to do it in your own strength. If you think, oh, I stopped sinning in my own power, my own willpower, my own strength, without him, you can't do it. Run to him as you are because he welcomes you. He's forgiven you of all your sin. Sin is not the problem. The problem is go to him as you are, broken. Even in your sin, go to Him. Say, God, I need you. I need you. And then start to connect with Him, relate with Him because of grace. Because He's forgiven you. He's cleansed you. He's washed you. And the more you connect with Him, guess what? You're empowered to not do that. Does that make sense? And then then He satisfies you. He gives you the bread of life to eat and actually get satisfied. But when we come to Him, we go to other things, it won't work. if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If he that, he that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Think about that. Rivers. If you're thirsty, go to Jesus. Because he's the one that is, gives out living water. Jesus said to the, uh, Matthew 19, 14, But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to, not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. He's basically saying, don't stop them from coming to me. From coming to who? To me. 
So even our children, when we raise them, make sure we bring them to Jesus. Downstairs, the whole purpose of raising, teaching the children is to bring them to Jesus. Give them the word. Let them connect with Jesus themselves. Not to a program. Sometimes we do programs really, really well. People get the programs, but what about connecting to Jesus? If the program is to help you connect to Jesus, then great. But connect to Jesus. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 10, 38, he says, uh, he, he that does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Who are we supposed to follow? Jesus. John 12, 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Who are we supposed to serve? Jesus. Sometimes we serve because someone asked us to serve around the church. And the people asked us, the leadership's asked us, there's a need. I put my hand up because I want to serve. And that's great. But if you're not ultimately doing it to serve him, eventually you'll get discouraged, maybe disappointed because someone hasn't said thank you. Someone hasn't noticed how hard I work. Someone doesn't realize I'm pouring my life out here and no one acknowledges it anymore. Because if you're doing it for people and for appraisal, for position, for all these things, if I do this and do it well, I might get a position. If you're doing it for the wrong reasons, guess what? You will get hurt. Jesus says, if you do it for me, my Father will honor you. And even if thanks don't come, praises don't come, appreciation doesn't come, you're still doing it for Him. It starts there, and then we do it for Him. You may remember the story of Martha and Mary. Everybody knows about the story of Martha and Mary. They're sisters, and Jesus was going to come to their place with all the apostles, 12 of them plus who you know, all the other friends. It would be a big group, I reckon. Martha and Mary's home, more likely, and Martha is cooking and getting the food ready and at the dishes in the kitchen and working really, really hard. And, and Mary, of all things, is chosen to just sit at the feet of Jesus. And I just want to hear Jesus. In other words, the words of Jesus are so treasurable, so valuable. I, I, I think she was just oblivious to the fact that maybe there was some responsibility there because it's her sister. But Martha's getting worked up. She's just thinking, I can't believe Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Like, I'm, doesn't she realize we're going to prepare everything? This is ridiculous. And she's just working herself up, working herself up, and finally had enough guts and courage to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, don't you, can you tell Mary to help me? It's like, come on, can't you see I'm struggling here? And Jesus goes, Mary has chosen that one thing that's needed. And it won't be taken away from her. Mary chose what's the one thing. Even Jesus said, the thing that's needed is be with me. I'm not going to take it away from her. The thing is, it's not about Martha work, Martha and Mary issue and all that. About Martha, we need Martha's in the church and we need Mary's in the church. You know what? Like lovers of God and then we need the workers. No. If you're a real Mary that loves Jesus, a real Mary that's in love with Jesus, wants to serve Jesus, will always outwork a Martha. I'm telling you, when you're in love with Jesus, Paul the Apostle is so in love with Jesus. He goes, I think, he goes, I labor more than everyone else, but not just me, but the grace of God in me makes me labor, work harder than all the other apostles. He's saying the love of God has gripped my heart so much so that I want to serve him. But the thing that's needful is Jesus. Or you can serve, 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 serve and burn out. And then they're blaming the church. Some of these decisions you have to make sure that Okay, Lord, I want to make sure I spend time with you. Not okay, I'll spend time with you, but I don't want to serve anymore. It's not about that. I don't want to do anything. Well, then you weren't created not to do anything. Faith always has works. Faith 
without works is dead. You, when you have faith, you just correspond with works. It just comes out. What about when Jesus said to Peter and, and, and to the apostles and says, he wanted to know, what do the people say? who do the people say I am? And some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Jeremiah, come from the dead, one of the prophets. And then he's like, he's wanting to know, what are people saying about me, the Son of Man? I want to know what they think about me. Remember, Jesus is the most important thing to know and connect with. And then he goes, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter spoke up and goes, I could think I got something from God, you know. He goes, you are the, you, you are the, the Christ, the, the anointed one, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, that's right. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father revealed this to you from heaven. And this is what Jesus says. And upon this rock, he's actually referring to the revelation that you have, to the reality that you believe that I'm the Son of the living God. On that rock, on that revelation, I'll build my church. The church is built on a revelation of Jesus. And then he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Picture it, the gates of hell. We always think that hell, uh, hell and the gates and devils attacking us. The gates of hell is we shall not prevail against the church. We're attacking the gates of hell and smashing it down, taking the prisoners out. When you get a revelation of how powerful God is, you realize you're on the offensive, not defensive. Because we're always worried about the devil. Oh, the devil's attacking me, brother. You don't know. Oh, this is the devil. I'm on his, you know, his case. And he's always the devil, the devil here and the devil there. Don't be wowed by what the devil does. Jesus didn't respond with what the devil did. He never reacted to the devil. He always obeyed the Father. Whatever he saw the Father do, that's what he did. So in love, just obeyed the Father. You're obeying the Father protects you. When you're in love with Jesus, you've got to show the faith. It protects you. And when you're in the Word, you just actually read and believe what it says. Don't just read for head knowledge's sake. I want to have information and answers so when someone asks me, I can answer. I want to read to connect with Him. And so when Jesus says in Hebrews, I read it just recently, that He, Jesus, was not ashamed to call us to not, yeah, he's not, He was not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Jesus calls you His brother and His sister. Wow. Brothers and sisters, we're, we're, the, we're the same family of the house of God. We are truly sons. He's the firstborn from the dead. We're also born from the dead. He's the head. We're the body. We're connected. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. We're one with Him. Like, when are we going to believe this? So when I read and I fellowship and I connect with Him, I've got to say, okay, Lord, what are, what are mindsets or thoughts in my life that, and insecurity and things that are still holding me back and where I don't believe? Why don't I believe this? Do I believe it? Okay, Lord, I'm loved. I accept that I'm loved. Maybe I never was loved growing up, but I know I'm loved now. I accept your love. And then encounter that love. Actually experience it. You're not just a brain. Your spirit, soul, and body. Allow your emotions to feel His love, experience His love, know His love. But I don't live by my feelings. In saying all that, I don't live by my feelings. You know, when you wake, you get up, uh, sometimes there are times I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like praying at all. Is that if there's times where I don't even feel like praying, I don't feel like I need God, I don't feel like I can seek God, I've got no desire in me to seek God right now. That's the time I need to seek Him like never before. The fact that I don't feel God or feel like wanting to pray means I'm in a place where I actually need to pray. 
and spend time with Him. When I say pray, spend time with God. Jesus, the people, the disciples and the apostles of Jesus saw the secret of Him praying and they could see the power lies in His connection with God. And they one time asked Him, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us how to pray. Basically, they're asking, teach us how to pray. The one thing we can see is your connection with God that, that allows you to do all that you do. And, and Jesus flips it and really doesn't say the how. He gives us some direction on how. But He flips it and says, when you pray, pray to your Father in heaven. He actually flips it to the who, not the how. If you know the who you're praying to, prayer is easy. Prayer is not a chore, it's not a duty, it's not hard. If you see prayer as, I have to pray, oh, this, oh you're talking about prayer again. Oh, prayer. Oh. you got the wrong picture because you don't know the who. I heard someone say that when they're in love, when you're in love, they're just texting and texting and texting the, the one they love and they're texting, I think it was like an $800 bill because they text like 15,000 times in a month. Over and over, and I love you, you're this and that, and you're texting, you're texting, and calling and calling. Now it's FaceTime and, and Zoom and, and all the different things that we can do to connect with the one we love. When you're in love, you're not saying, teach me how to text. How do you text the one you love? Can you tell me how to text? The texting's easy. Know the one you love. If you know who you're loving, texting, calling, that's just a medium of communicating. The prayer is the medium. It's not the, it's not the hard thing. Just connect with the one you love. See how beautiful he is. I don't think I shared this revelation when I was on my fast. One of the things that God showed me, and it's, I don't know, for me, it, it's stuck with me. And I take it into my walk. I take it into my relationship with God. And I, and I, I don't know how to say it, zap, zap as much life out of it as I possibly can. But one of the things I've read the scriptures for 30-something years, never understood. There's about six or seven, maybe even eight, and there's probably more. I'm looking for all of them. Accounts in all across the Bible where it talks about the day of the Lord. When the day of the Lord comes back, when the day comes, when He comes to this earth, and the day of the Lord, and it always says, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not shed its light, and the stars of heaven will not shed its light. I never understood that. Oh, dark, I always think it. I believe the Bible. So what's actually happening? Is the sun not going to shine? If we, if, hang on a sec. If the sun doesn't shine, we die. We all freeze up and die. If the sun stops shining, and I mean blows up or whatever, it becomes dark, we die. So it's not that. I'm trying to work it out and understand it. And, and, and when I was reading it, it's all in the Bible. I believe this is in the You'll see it. This, even him uses the word par, parim, or the word parim, which talks about the face of God. He goes, the sun will be darkened. The moon won't shed its light and all that. And it says, when? And it's the face. When the Lord returns. And it says the face. When the Lord comes back to this earth, He's going to physically come back. The sun will be eclipsed with the glory of Jesus. It actually says He comes back with the glory, in the clouds of glory and the, and the glory and everything. And then it talks about in Jude, that he comes back with thousands upon thousands and millions and millions of saints comes back with us. But it's he's gonna so be glorious that the sun ceases from shining. I believe that with all my heart. A little girl's looking up in the stars at night with her daddy and loves the stars, and then the morning comes, she gets up, Daddy, where's all the stars gone? They're all gone. And daddy goes, The stars are still there. The sun is so shining so bright that you can't see the stars anymore. 
That's what it's going to be like. Jesus is going to come full of glory, full of majesty, full of splendor. And think of His presence, not just the actual light of Him. That is love, that is joy, that is power, that is holy, that is pure. That's who you worship. That's who you're connected to. That's who we, when you, when you, when you worship, picture the brilliance of His majesty. And He's in love with you. This God just went, light be, and the whole universe came into being. He spoke everything to existence. We don't know, once we get to heaven, man, when we get to heaven, you go, wow, overwhelmed will be on our faces. It's going to be the greatest joy to worship Him. But you can't experience it now. I'm telling you, you can experience that now. You don't have to wait to get to heaven. Oh, when I get to heaven, it's going to be magnificent. We don't have this flesh. True. And we'll see face to face. And we'll handle the glory. But we're transformed from glory to glory. And we get transformed to the very glory that we see of the Lord, the Bible says. The more I see the glory of the Lord, the more I get transformed to that glory. Do you believe this? I'm not just trying to motivate you. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm preaching you the Word, the truth of the Word. So now, my encouragement to all of us is when you're in the Word, say, God, open up my eyes. Let me see that. Let me see Jesus. Let me see him as he is. And, and sometimes you read, read, read. You think you're not getting much. But I'm telling you, you read consistently. And then during your day, next day, two days, that comes back to you. And you thought you weren't getting it. But God will use that very scripture you read and it will come to you. So there's got to be discipline, discipline in place. Even if you don't feel like it, spend time with the Lord. Amen. Let's see him. Let's lift him up. He'll draw all men to himself. Father, we thank you for your amazing, amazing, amazing goodness. Open up our eyes to see you, Lord. We see through a glass darkly, even looking into you, just to behold you, we still see through a glass darkly compared to your magnificent glory. We worship you, Jesus. Open up our eyes to see you as you really are. That we are going to be transformed. This lowly body will be transformed into the, 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 the very image of your glorious body same body that you received when you were resurrected and glorified we actually we receive for we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is we thank you lord what an amazing 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 father beautiful merciful gracious god if you don't know this jesus if you don't know this jesus you can accept him into your life right now if you need to make peace with god if you need to accept jesus into your life you can say, Leah, please pray for me. I want Jesus into my, I want to accept Jesus. I never knew He loved me that much. I never knew that He died on the cross. I didn't know that He paid the penalty for my sins so I can be forgiven. If you want to give your life to Jesus, just slip your hand up right now. Say, Leah, pray for me. I want to accept Jesus into my heart. There could be people in this place that need to accept Jesus. It might be for the first time or maybe you've drifted away and you say, yes, I want to accept Jesus. I want to give Him my heart. I want to open up my heart so He can come into my life. Is anybody in this room that needs to accept Jesus? Just slip your hand up, nice and bold. Nice and bold. If God's speaking to you, you believe I'm a sort of, a, I don't know, I'm a Catholic and I believe in Jesus. Yeah, but have you given your life to Jesus? Have you really given your life to Jesus? Not by name, but in reality. If that's you this morning, just say, yes, pray for me. Thank you, Jesus. 
there's no one, that's absolutely fine. But if there is, I want to give you an opportunity. You turn away from your sin. You say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. Open up my heart. I accept you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I will follow you all the days of my life. It's a simple prayer of submission to the Lordship of Jesus. And I will follow you all the days of my life. been listening to the ggc life podcast we hope this message has encouraged you for more please visit our website ggclife.com or email us ggclife at ggclife.com from our house to yours be blessed